welcome back to Can We Talk, the podcast of the Jewish Women's Archive, where gender, history, and Jewish culture meet. I'm Nahani Rouse. And I'm Judith Rosenbaum. We're back with an episode that we hope will provide some comic relief in these challenging times. In our last episode, we shared a 2006 interview with Joan Rivers from JWA's archive. We also talked about why we borrowed the name of our podcast from Joan's signature line, Can We Talk? In this episode, we're sharing another interview from the JWA archive. It's a delightful conversation between Joan Rivers and her writing partner, Treva Silverman, from 2006. The interview, conducted by Rachel Talbot, was part of JWA's documentary on Jewish women in comedy called Making Trouble. Treva is a successful comedy writer who partnered with Joan starting in the early 1960s. The depth of their friendship really comes through in this interview and is a counter to Joan's public persona, which was often critical, especially of other women. Treva starts by explaining how she and Joan met when they were both fresh out of college and Joan Rivers was still known as Joan Molinsky. I had a boyfriend then, and Joan was looking for a partner, and he and my boyfriend was looking for a partner. So they found each other, and it That's was Molinsky and Myers. Let's yeah. get Meyer. And so Joan and I started hanging out and like clung to each other a lot, like, oh my God, this outside world. But she was so smart. She was a Bennington graduate, and she had done her thesis on James Joyce's Ulysses. You remember yes, that? Yes, she was smart. She was smart. <laughs> And she was funny, and she was in the business. Do you understand? I mean, oh, oh, such a great by the, combination. By the business, we mean fringes of, fringes thereof. But Treva did something early on in a review, and she got picked up by the Carol Burnett show. That's right. Right. And yeah. when they flew you out, remember that? They flew out to Chicago somewhere? She was always, her stuff was so head and shoulders and above anybody's, truly above anybody's working uh, that she was always picked up first from the group. She was always noticed first. At this at this point, jo- Joan was, you were you had changed from Malinsky to magically changed into Rivers, right? Okay, so I really did overhear the following conversation. It was Gary Nardino on the phone, and he was he was talking about you, and he said, "No, no, w- she's not like anybody. Stop asking me who is she is she like. She's not like anybody. She's like herself." And then he said, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. And he said, damn it. He said, years from now, you're going to be telling me, get a Joan Rivers type. Did I ever tell you that? No. That's yeah. Great. Gary Nardino. Yeah, How total na- belief. An agent. Total belief. How nice yeah. is that? How great is that? But Treva, which impressed me so much, she had her own apartment. <laughs> and she was making it on her own. And that was in a business that's so difficult. And for a woman, so difficult. And just... Head and shoulders above anybody. You wrote something in one of your books about uh, how you became friends because you both understood what it was like to be female in the 50s. What was it like to be female in the 50s? A lot of white boots. (laughs) (laughs) Female in the 50s. And that white, white, sort of white lipstick and the dark, uh, raccoon-y kind of eyes. But we, we met, I think, at like the beginning of the 60s. In the 60s, really. We were both in nursery school. Yes, yes, yes. We, we, we met the beginning of the 60s and clinging on to, you know, to the periphery of the possibility of maybe, maybe. But there was also the thing that Joan and I, 
we both had the belief that it was going to happen. I think our whole group had that belief. It, was, it wasn't like, if it ever happens, it was, when the hell is it going to happen already? And you were, you were not trying to be, you were. You may not have been noticed as a writer yet, but she was a female comedy writer. There's no question about it. Of course. <laughs> Joan would come to my apartment straight from her parents' house. And I remember you always had a dime. And you'd say, can I use the phone? And you'd leave the, you'd leave the dime. And I would love to remember that I said, no, no. But I said, OK. <laughs> but in those days, in you those were all days, struggling. A dime was a dime. You got a dime. A, yeah, it meant something. She, she, she left her little, her little dime. And it was for a local call, even. Left call an agent. Pray. Yeah. <laughs> always agents. Always agents. You hear, can I come down for this? Can I audition for that? Tell, tell them, tell, tell about the nightclub act. Which when, one? Oh, so well, many. We would, well, the, the original one, we, we would all go to the Catskills. Oh. Joan had this beat up car that vaguely worked, I mean, you know, sort of sporadically. And so we would go to the Catskills, and they were used to, you know, so the, the, my wife, uh, they were used to that. So here comes John and. <laughs> yes, we had straw hats. <laughs> And the, and We've never seen you before, <laughs> that kind of an act. <laughs> and it was, they would just hate us. <laughs> there, were, there, were, there were these old people, old people, very young people, these if you ask Jewish me. These old Jewish people. These old, <laughs> old Jewish people who were so sweet because maybe they had grandchildren like them or something <laughs> and they didn't want to be rude. So they just kind of like sit it out like... This is, our, this is our fate. We have to kind of, you know, sit here and watch whatever is happening on the stage with these people. One of the reasons they book us because I had a car. Because with her having the car, that meant that the agent could always say, uh, Joan, could you bring so-and-so up because they don't have a car and the exotic dancer with the snake, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Lola and his snakes, <laughs> would you mind? You go, sure, no problem. The snakes in the back, Lola. <laughs> and so, so she was the big, you know, wow, Joan Malinsky hyphen Rivers has a car. So has a would, car. Yeah, has a car. Um, so it sounds you'd have a car with dog acts in it, like a barking <laughs> car would go up the highway. <laughs> but she hit early, and she did something very brave. You were the first to go out to California, the whole group. That's true. Joan and I were, were both constantly f fighting the idea that, that a woman, a woman is, is writing comedy, and, and Joan was, was fighting that she doesn't do these old kind of shtick of da-da-da-da-da, but she was doing more character stuff. And do, do, the, th do my, the thing that I love so much about your wig got run over. I was telling you that. But oh. she wrote a joke for me that I still use to this day. Uh, if God wanted me to cook, my hands would be aluminum. <laughs> and she told it to me on the telephone. I remember calling her up, and I said, all right, if God wanted me to cook, my hands would be what? What would my hands be? And she said, aluminum. And you go, of course. <laughs> And I still use that joke. That's Treva's joke. And every time I do it, I think, it's Treva's joke. 
so great. <laughs> about the uh, being a woman and stuff. What about because uh, Phyllis Diller had been around before you? What was were people ever comparing you to Phyllis Diller? Or they couldn't compare me. To, Phyllis was so different. Phyllis was really. You have to understand. Phyllis was married, so she could look funny and straight. I wanted to get married. I tried to look as pretty as you could possibly and she look did on with stage. Her little pearls and my pearls, yeah. my little circle pin. I was. There was two lives going there. You know, if you're single and a doctor, hey, speak to you later. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, they were all gay clubs. So. <laughs> but. but uh, uh, so that was, there was very, nobody really wanted to be pretty. If you were pretty, you weren't a comedian. You were a singer. You just, don't you think? If you a, were pretty. And not that I was pretty, but you know, but human but looking. you were pretty. Well, you were pretty. didn't help me. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> so go in on. any case, you were pretty. Um, in, in movies, in movies on television. Were? The... <laughs> Had been and is now and will forever be. Now please start, start your answer again. I just had to say. Come on, um, go ahead. At at that time, in in movies on television, everything, the 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 pretty one was the kind of you know da da da, and the funny one was the sidekick. And so here's Joan being the pretty one and the sidekick simultaneously. I I found that. As a, as a writer, it was very interesting because um, it was it was it was hard to write uh, it was hard to write lead characters and make them really really funny. In the 30s, they did it, but in the 50s and 60s, it was always the kind of fat one who was the funny one, or the you know with the funny accent was the funny. So here, Joan is dressed for a fraternity dance in her lovely black little sleevelessy thing, and with the pearls. And showing up on, on stage. Oh, and the boa. The, the, that the made boa. it showbiz. Had a boa. But the same thing with Treva. Uh, they didn't want to believe that you could be pretty and very smart. Very smart and very funny. It was a whole different kind of look to, to what you expected a writer to be. Was there a competition among comics then? There is still coverage. I mean, I don't want to hear this nonsense. Oh, good for Sarah Silverman. Please. She's taking bread out of my dog's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am kibble out of his mouth. Kibble out of my mouth. I'm not a good cook. <laughs> but, um, oh, there's tremendous competition. Uh, I am very competitive. I think that's why I'm still doing it at this age. Are you saying competitive or ambitious? I mean, but is it ambition? But is it, is it I want to knock this one out of the box, or is it conversely, I want to get ahead, I want it to be me, I want it to be me rather than I want to get rid of them. I don't know about the others, but I want to get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on, be honest. <laughs> don't hold back. Every day I read the obituaries and go, damn. One less. Oh. <laughs> or oh, what a pity, so young. <laughs> Send some flowers. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Why do you think there are, do you have any theories about why there are so many Jewish comedians or writers? And uh, you really want the truth? No. There aren't. 
There aren't. Yes, there are Jews. Johnny Carson, oh, that's a Jew for you. Jay Leno, oh, I have to call him the rabbi sick. Uh, <laughs> Conan, oi, 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 Conan, are you funny tonight? I mean, uh, Neil Simon, oh, Neil is Jewish, excuse me. But uh, there are a tremendous amount of non-Jews in the business. They just always focus on the Jews. But you're talking about hosts who host the Jews. That's <laughs> true. You know, when you think about it, like when you that. think about, it. okay, I I am an Irish Catholic, and now bring out the Jews. So. Bring out Shecky. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I think that growing growing up, we all sort of had Jewish. Uh, listening to radio, we we had Jewish voices in, in our ears because all the writers, so many of the writers were were Jewish, then and and now. Why? Yeah. Why? Um, well, there, there's, there's theories of because through all the th trillions of years of one wandering and everything, it was, it was always the, it was always the defensive humor, the, the defensive. So why shouldn't I? Do? So uh, that, but I, I, I don't know. On, on <laughs> all the staffs me. you've been on, mostly Jewish. Mostly Jewish. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Although it's kind of changed over in the past number of years. But when, but when we were growing up and when we were starting out, it, 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 but yeah, the question is why. Why? Um, I think it's good that you're always the underdog. Yeah. Well, it's the way I live my life. If I make my joke first about myself, I've beaten you to it. It's okay. There's so much I love about this interview. I love the way they crack each other up. Like, they just really can't help themselves. I also love how their affection for each other comes through. It's clear that there's, like, such deep camaraderie and so much shared experience and the sense of women supporting each other. And that didn't come through in her comedy on stage. But it's really nice to know that it was there behind the scenes. The other thing that doesn't come through in her comedy on stage, which does come through in this interview, is her awareness that a person could be intelligent and beautiful at the same time. In fact, one of her recurring themes on stage was that God doesn't hand out looks and brains to the same people. So this interview really makes me wonder why she harped on that dated stereotype on stage so much. Yeah, I think we definitely see the way in which people can have an intellectual critique of some of the more problematic aspects of society, but still deeply internalize them. And, you know, Joan's plastic surgery is also a great example of that. She had a lot of quote-unquote work done, and she talked very openly about it, and you definitely couldn't miss it. And, you know, part of that, I'm sure, was about vanity. And part of it, I think, also might have been her way of taking reality to the extreme, which is part of her approach to humor, too. In this case, saying to the world, okay, you think women shouldn't age? Well, this is what that looks like when you take it to the extreme. And she is remembered for many of those extremes and also criticized for them. But it's also so important to remember just how talented she was at making people laugh. I think people forget how much of a groundbreaker she was. And, you know, there's only so much we can expect people to do as pioneers. And there was a way in which she was, you know, breaking the system and, and busting into it and also very much bound by it. There was, a, there was a limit to what she could imagine. But that doesn't take away from all the new things that she did. There wasn't anyone like her. 
Thank you for joining us for Can We Talk, the podcast of the Jewish Women's Archive. Sarah Ventry helped edit this episode. Our team also includes Becky Long and Shira Kraft. Our theme music is by Girls in Trouble. You can find Can We Talk online at jwa.org slash canwetalk and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please take a moment to review us on iTunes and share your favorite episodes with your friends so that others can find us. And if you'd like to help us produce more episodes of Can We Talk, please go to jwa.org slash donate to make a contribution. I'm Judith Rosenbaum. And I'm Nahani Rouse, wishing you good health. Until next time.